0: This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3434, Friday the 24th of September 2021. Today's show is entitled, Booting. It is hosted by Akuka, and is about 12 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, we look in detail at how early PC booted.
1: This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org.
0: Is Ahuka welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode in our DOS series as we do technology archaeology here. Um and again a reminder that uh I, I'm looking at really old technology. This is stuff that I wrote over 20 years ago. Um probably 25 years ago would be my guess. Um but you know it's useful information for some people I think. Uh, And what we're going to look at, too, is the boot process uh, in DOS. You know, what's booting all about? Now, the term boot is short for bootstrap. And this is a metaphor. And that is uh, what happens if you imagine a person wearing boots who reaches down, pulls on their bootstraps, and lifts themselves into the air. Now, this is ridiculous, of course and is something that is only possible in cartoons, but it is a vivid image. With the power off, a computer is a dead hunk of silicon, steel, and wires. During the boot process, it has to wake up, find all of its peripherals, and configure itself to run software. It takes some doing to make all this happen. Now, it starts with something called the BIOS BIOS, and that is short for Basic Input-Output System. And that's a series of instructions that are contained on a ROM, or read-only memory, chip. Uh, In addition to the ROM BIOS, there are settings that are held on a battery-powered chip. This chip is frequently made of a special material called CMOS, which stands for Complementary Metal Oxide Semiconductor. These settings are configurable by the user and can be accessed at the beginning of the boot process by pressing a special key, such as the F1 or the Delete. Now, the settings held in the CMOS tell the computer which disk drives are present and the order in which these disks should be checked for boot information. Now, the very first thing that happens in the boot sequence is something called the POST, which stands for Power On Self-Test. This is run from the BIOS and allows the computer to check for memory. And if you're booting in DOS, you will see it clicking through the available memory on your screen. Then it's going to check for a keyboard. One of the things I love, the error message is, you know, no keyboard present, press F1 to continue. And it's like, if there's no keyboard, how do I press F1? Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Um... And it's going to check for disk drives and all of that. Now, if it does not find those things, it gives an error sometimes on the screen. Sometimes by emitting a series of beeps through the PC's built-in speaker. Because, um, yeah, yeah, PCs all came with built-in speakers for this. And there were beep codes. Every BIOS had its own beep codes, and you had to get the documentation and look that up to see, you know, what is two longs and a short here. A <laughs> well, particular code means something. Uh, on, now on the screen, you may see errors like keyboard failure, failure accessing floppy disk, stuff like that. Now, assuming that the keyboard is working, the memory is there, and it can find the proper disk drive, the BIOS then looks to the appropriate disk for further instructions. Now, that disk might be a floppy disk or a hard disk drive. The very earliest um, IBM computers and the compatibles uh, it was floppy disks. Uh, hard disks were extremely expensive. I-, I remember spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get uh, a 20 megabyte hard drive and thought, "Boy, I'll never need more storage than this ever. <laughs> yeah, we're so cute when we're young. Um, so, anyway, the the uh, the master boot record is going to tell you uh, where to go for the next step, whether it's a floppy or a hard disk. Um, now, if the master boot record is found, the boot process goes forward. If it's not found or is damaged in some way, you may receive an error that says, The disk is not bootable or is not a system disk. Now, everything said up to this point is generally true of the boot process for all Intel-based PCs, regardless of the operating system. Now, from this point on, the details will be given for DOS. Now, some of these steps you might find are retained in Windows, but that's not our concern here. When DOS was first used by IBM for its personal computers, the operating system was called PC-DOS, and IBM gave certain names to the files that made them sound IBM-specific. But as soon as clone makers like Compaq and Dell started making IBM-compatible clone computers, Microsoft released a clone version called MS-DOS and renamed some of those files. Now, MS-DOS is much more widely used than PC-DOS, and MS-DOS names are most common. Now, for DOS systems, the master boot record, the MBR, will point the computer to two hidden startup files. The first of these files is io.sys in MS-DOS. For IBM computers, it's called ibmbio.com. Now this must be the very first file physically on your boot disk, or your disk will not boot. The second file in DOS systems is called msdos.sys, or for IBM computers, ibmdos.com. This must be the second file physically on the boot disk, or it will not boot. This is why you cannot create a boot disk by simply copying these files to a blank floppy disk. They would be on the disk, but they would not be in the proper position for the boot process to find them. To create a system disk, you need to use a particular command that tells the computer to place these files in the precise position needed for booting to occur. Now, io.sys, or ibmbio.com, contains the interface between MS-DOS, or PC-DOS, and the I.O. subsystem. This allows the operating system to communicate with the basic peripherals and perform input and output tasks. Now, ms-dos.sys, or ibm-dos.com, is the kernel of the operating system. It operates, it interacts with the hardware, and helps process the various DOS functions. Now, both IOSYS and msdosys are hidden files, which means that ordinarily you would not be aware of them, and they would not appear in a directory listing. This is to protect the OS from someone mistakenly deleting these key files and rendering the computer unable to boot. The third file to be loaded is config.sys. As the name implies, this file contains information that helps to configure your system. This is where you would install devices and drivers, for instance. In DOS, it is common to have your mouse, sound card, and CD-ROM drive installed here, as well as certain memory management and other functions. If there is no config.sys file present, a default version contained within msdos.sys is loaded instead. Uh, the fourth file to be loaded, which is automatically added to the disk when you make a system disk, is command.com. Now, this file does not need to be in any particular physical location on the disk, but it does need to be in the root directory. This file is a command interpreter, which means it can interpret the commands you issue. Every OS has some kind of command interpreter. They may use different names. In Unix and Linux, for instance, the command interpreter is generally called a shell. Now, command.com interprets all of the internal commands, and we'll discuss what these are later. But for the moment, think of them as the most common commands that DOS uses. Now, the fifth and last file to be loaded is autoexecbat. This is a batch file which means that it contains a series of commands that are executed whenever the file is run. This file is automatically executed when you boot, hence the name autoexec. If there is no autoexec.bat file present, a default version is run. Now, you can usually tell, because if the default version is run, you'll be asked to enter the date and the time. After all of this, If it all works correctly, you will finally see the prompt. And the prompt, depending on your system, will either look like A colon backslash greater than or C colon backslash greater than. Um, A would be if you had a only uh, floppy drive system. All you had was floppy drives. A is always the first floppy drive. Um, and C would be if you had a hard disk, and C is always the the hard disk. And uh, you know, in the early computers, the the ones the first that came out, the IBM and the compatibles were two floppy drive systems. You had an A and a B, and then when hard drives started to become used, uh, the default was C. Now I'm sitting here 20 years later, and you know, we're still calling it the C drive. <laughs> and, you know, people who are new to computing, are why C? You know, history. That's just the way it is. It was called C back then because A and B were already taken. Um, and so C, and then if you add another one, it can be D and so on. So here's the summary of the DOS boot sequence. Number one, the power on self test. That's the first thing that happens. Then the master boot record is read. Then we go to the io.sys file. Then to the ms.sys file. Then to the config.sys file. Then to command.com. Then to autoexec.bat. And finally to the command prompt. And now we're ready to do some computing. So, this is hookah for Hacker Public Radio signing off and, as always, encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye.
1: You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at HackerPublicRadio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday.